0: Good morning, VFC. It is so good to be with you guys this morning. Anybody grateful they made it out to church today on a beautiful February Sunday? That's just awesome to see you guys. I just really feel God has a word for you today, that you came all this way. There's so many reasons you could have stayed in bed today, but you didn't. You got up, you got out, you got in God's house You're getting your week started off in the presence of God and I believe today he's brought you to the service whether you're in the room or you're watching online because he has a word in season for you. Amen? I'm excited and again want to welcome those watching online today. Super glad that you guys are joining us from all the different avenues that you can be watching from and I know our senior pastors are watching online today, we wanna give you a shout out. And I'm well aware as I prepare to share a word with you today that the stage I'm standing on did not just appear overnight. That this was actually built by the faithful efforts and energies and sacrifices and tears and finances of our senior pastors and of a amazing church community for well now over 30 years. And so I feel blessed to share a word and honor our senior pastors for what they've done and the privilege to speak today. Before we get to the message, I feel it would be appropriate, given what's going on in our world, to pause from all that which concerns us and to lift up in prayer the things that concern our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, in Russia, all that's going on there. I am not a politician and I don't have all the answers, but what I do know is we have hope in Jesus And there are people in Ukraine and Kiev right now that need us to lift them up, need us to pray. And the Bible tells us to pray for leaders and to pray for all people. And so I think it'd be appropriate as we begin service today, then why don't we just lift them up in prayer uh, and then we'll jump into God's word. Amen. All right, Lord, we love you. And God, we're grateful to be in your house. Lord, we know many right now that would normally gather on a Sunday are not able to. uh, Lord, because of the things that are going on, in Ukraine, Lord, the the war that has begun there. And Father, as a church family, Lord, we gather and we rally in prayer. We lift up, Lord, those that are believers in Ukraine. We lift up those that aren't believers. Lord, we just pray for people. And God, we pray that you would be present. Lord, you said you're very present help in time of need, and that right now, Lord, in Ukraine, in Kiev, that you are presently helping to protect those who are innocent, those who are bystanders. Father, we ask you to give wisdom to the leaders of the world in conversations and meetings well above my pay grade, but Lord, we pray that you would lead, that you would instill wisdom, God, that you would, Lord, help peace to be resolved in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you that your highest and best is peace. And so, God, we pray for peace, no more loss of life. We pray, Lord, that you would comfort church leaders. I think of, Lord, a church leader that I heard of yesterday that's keeping his team right there in Ukraine to minister to the broken. I pray you would help him to lead and to minister in a way that only who knows how. I pray for those that are Christians in Russia who may be confused by all that's going on. We thank you that you are moving, you are working, and you are having your way, Father God, in the issues of the world. And we entrust those people to you, Lord, we send our prayers and our love to them. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed, said, amen. 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 It's seeing things like that around the world that make you grateful, that we can sit in a pretty comfortable environment and today. We can sing loud songs of praise without fear of, of things going out uh, on, the, on, on our streets here this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm super grateful to be where we are. Amen? Well, we've been in a series, Intentional Family. All month long, all February, it's been all about family. And I don't know about you, but I love that cute little, little kid rolling. Isn't that just precious? I love it. And so we've been talking about all month family. We've been talking about marriage, uh, parenting. We've been talking about relationships, dating, uh, talking about how we can in a world that is crazy, in a world that there is a lot of distractions, a lot of things to pull us away from the truth of God's word. How do we, you and I, in this everyday world, how do we raise families? How do we have marriages? How do we do friendship uh, in a way that pleases and honors God? And I don't know about you, but as a new parent myself, I have loved this series. I've been encouraged, reminded about what it means to be a husband, what it looks like to be a dad, how to be a son, and how to be a son of God. And as we wrap up our series today, I want to just shift a little bit of our focus. We've been talking about family. We've been talking about our natural families. But this morning, as we close our series, I want us to zero in on the family of God. You see, all of us in the room, we all have individual families, but there is something that unites us from the back row down to the front row. And it may not be the blood from the families that we were raised in, but it is the blood of Jesus and the fact that we've been adopted into God's family. And today I want to remind us and encourage us, exhort us about the reality of what it means for us, you and I, to actually be called God's kids. And I believe by the time we're done today, that man, we are going to want to just be so much closer to our Father. If you have your Bible, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, and then right after we'll look at Romans chapter 8 as our text to get us started ...on this journey talking about the family of God. But we'll start in Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 3 all the way down to 5. And I want you to hear the family language in this passage of Scripture. It says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, can you say that? Can you say even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. It's an awesome scripture. Let's jump to Romans chapter 8. We'll read in verse 15. Similar language here. Paul writes to the church in Rome. It says this, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. You and I have been adopted into the family of God. If you're taking notes today, the title of The message is your origin story. Can you look to your neighbor and say your origin story? Look to the other one and say, hello, good to meet you. Your origin story. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We love your word, God. And as we dive into it today, I pray, Lord, that it would not be the words of man that are heard, but it would be the words of God. I pray that your word, it would be illuminated to our hearts that we could learn and grow in understanding Our origin story in you. I thank you, Lord, for a great morning. I thank you for speaking to people, ministering, healing bodies, breaking chains, doing what only you can do. God, we are hungry for you today. And we lean in to your word with fresh open hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. amen. Well, when I was a kid, I grew up loving superheroes. Superheroes. Anybody like superheroes out there? I said I was a kid, but just to be honest, I still love superheroes. And uh, what Marvel's done with movies, right, it's just taken the superhero experience to a whole nother level. But as a kid, I, I in particular loved Spider-Man. Not this new stuff we got going on, the original Tobey Maguire, the goat of all Spider-Mans. <laughs> got a couple claps, a couple boos, made enemies right away. I love Spider-Man. And uh, this is his story. It's pretty amazing. He's an everyday, ordinary guy, uh, a lot like me. I mean, I'm not, you know, an ordinary guy. I got some muscles, but uh, (laughs) working on it. Kurt's helping me. So, um, but Spider-Man, he's an everyday, ordinary neighborhood kid. And then what happened? He got bit by a Spider. spider. Well done. He got bit by a spider. And all of a sudden he wakes up and he has superpowers, as a kid, I used to lay in bed dreaming about being bit by a spider at night and waking up with superpowers. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm still hanging on to hope. It could. It could. A, a spider Man's an amazing guy. He can shoot webs, he is super strength, he can climb and do all these things. And superheroes, they just have a way about engaging us, everyday ordinary people, with the thoughts of something grander, the thoughts of. What what would it look like? What would it mean for you and I to have superpowers? And at the core of every superhero story, the very core is what is called an origin story. Have you guys ever heard of an origin story? For those that don't know, an origin story is a backstory. It's an established background narrative that informs the identity and motivations of a hero or a villain. An origin story. It's the story of how the hero or villain became who the hero or villain was. It's the story about Spider Man getting bit by a spider. It's the story about Spider Man witnessing his Uncle Ben be murdered. And it put within him a passion to go fight crime and to use the powers that he got through the spider bite for good and not for evil. An origin story, the, the, the backstory, how you got. To where you got how you became the hero, we know that these heroes had become. I love a good origin story. There's nowadays with all the Marvel things they do, there's lots of movies that they're going back. And they're telling the stories of of these heroes or villains and how they became who they became. And as I was thinking about us, thinking about the family of God, I have a question. Did you know that you have an origin story? Yes, you have an origin story. Now you may have not been bit by a spider, but all of us, we all have an origin story. We all have a backstory of how we got to where we got, of how our identity that we have today was shaped and was formed. We have a backstory, a narrative of how we became the people that we are today. And for many of us, our origin story, it's knitted within our family of origin. We've been talking about that quite a bit this whole month, talking about family, talking about the families we're raising, but also talking about the families we grew up in. And for many of us, our lives, our sense of identity, our sense of understanding of this world, our our sense of being, it was developed very early on in our family of origin. Now, as a room this size, of course, there's many in the room that you had an amazing family of origin. You grew up in a household where there was love. And protection and care, where words of encouragement were spoken over you, where maybe even you were taught the principles of God. And I know in a room this size that that might not be everybody's story, that others in the room may have grown up with a very challenging family of origin, where you were hurt, where you were betrayed or rejected or told you weren't good enough. Where the love that you so desired to receive from mom or dad or an adult figure in your life, it wasn't given. In fact, the opposite was. And in a room this size, all of us, we got to where we are today because of experiences and moments and and words spoken in our backstory. And the challenge for us as believers is that while our origin story, it matters. That's why we're talking about raising godly families. That's why we're talking about our family of origin that when we become Christians, here's the tension. We were never meant to pull our identity from our family of origin, but from our new adopted family in God. We've been given a new origin story. Remember the verse, when you get saved, what did John 3 say? It said that you would be born again. You actually were born again. Second Corinthians 5, what does it say? It says that anybody who believes in Jesus actually becomes a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Romans 12, 2, it says that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What does that mean? That means that we have got to go through a process of learning how to see ourselves the way our new family of God, uh, who the new family of God says we are, as opposed to who our family of origin told us that we would be. We have a new family and you have, a new origin story. And so the good news this morning is, I don't know if your childhood was amazing or if your childhood was difficult. I validate the experience and I think it's worth us processing, but there is good news today in God's kingdom. And the good news is this, you are in the family of God and you have a new origin story. This is the key point, the key point right here, of the message. In Christ, your identity is not found in your family of origin, but in your true origin story. Let me read it one more time. In Christ, your identity, who you are, how you understand the world, how you understand yourself, that which makes up the core sense of your being, it is not found any longer in your family of origin, but it is found in your true origin story. And with our time remaining today, this is what I want to talk about. How do we understand our new origin story? How do you and I, in the world that we live, learn to understand what God says about our origin story, about our identity? And can we and will we let what he says about our origin story define how we see ourselves? Amen? Y'all ready? Ready? Can you all say origin story? Probably didn't know we were talking about origin stories in church today, but here we are. Point number one. First, in understanding our origin story, we have got to understand and to know that we were created. We were created. Genesis chapter 1, 27, it says, so God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them this may sound simple but at the core of our origin story is the truth that we were intentionally created by a creator there's two things that we see in this passage of scripture this idea that we were created first is that we were created in God's image I love this idea. Maybe you've heard of the Imago Dei. It's the Latin way of saying the image of God. This idea in our Christian faith that we were created in the image of God, that we are the Imago Dei, that you and I, we actually are God's image on earth. It is pivotal to our Christian understanding of God, us, and how to operate on earth. You and I created in God's image. What's the purpose of an image? An image's job is not to be the thing it is imaging, but it is to image what it is imaging. I have a photo with me. I keep this photo on my desk. This is our baby girl, Olive. This photo sits right by my computer at work and I'm able to look at it all throughout the week. This image is not Olive. But this image, what does it do? It reflects, it shows, it, it reminds me, it brings to the surface, it brings to the forefront who my beautiful, amazing daughter is. Almost gonna be a year in March. Side note, man, it goes quick, doesn't it? So everybody says time flies. Well, I'm feeling it. Holy cow. But this image, this image, it helps me stay connected. It reveals and it shows me on a regular basis who. Our baby girl is. In the same way, you and I, we were created in God's image. That does not mean we are God, but that we are meant to reflect him on earth. His traits, his qualities, his attributes have actually been uniquely woven into the fabric of our individual DNA. Part of God is in us and we are called to reflect his image to those around us. Now, why does this matter? Who cares? We're created in God's image. Woo-hoo. Who cares? Here's why it matters. Because what does that mean for you and I? It means that we have innate purpose. y'all hear me? It means that we have innate, an innate sense of purpose. You may have wondered in your family of origin, why the heck am I on this earth? Just a random blob on the planet at this time when there's all sorts of crazy things going on and there's a long history of civilizations hurting and killing and doing all these wild things and here I am, I'm showing up today and I'm taking up room and a seat and I'm just kind of living my life. What is my purpose? Have you ever wondered what your purpose is? Your purpose is simple. It is to be the image of God. Your origin story, who you are, at its core, you were created to be his image you have purpose you were created on purpose with purpose for a purpose amen the second thing we see from this passage of scripture we were created in god's Im- image and we were created with intention with detailed Intention. Turn your Bibles over to Psalm 139. I love this passage of scripture. Listen to the individual intention God created you with. I think somebody needs to hear these words today. It's God's words about you. Psalm 139, it says this, you speaking to God made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together together. In my mother's womb. Thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. And all the husbands said, Oh, it finally makes sense. Your workmanship, your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your books. Every moment it was laid out before a single day had passed. Wow. When God created you, he did so with intentionality. Every part of you and I was handcrafted by God. Your oddities, those things that make you weird and different and goofy, They were actually handcrafted by a loving father with intention and with purpose. Your goofy laugh, it was created by a God who loves you and knew you would bring joy to a room unlike anybody else could. Your long fingers that made you just feel a little awkward and long and strange, they were actually handcrafted by God. They are not a flaw, they are by design. Your kirky walk, your things you do that are just strange and different, the way you were knit, you were put together it was on purpose in your mother's womb. You may have been told in your family of origin that you were an accident. You may have been told that you were a mistake. You may have been told that you were ugly or didn't have value, but our new origin story tells us something different. It tells us that we were knit together fearfully and wonderfully made. We are a unique craftsmanship of the most high. God, you have purpose and you were created with intention. That is your identity. Did y'all hear that? That is the truth about who you are. If you're watching online, that is who God made you to be. So when the enemy comes with doubts about your value or your worth, or if you're accepted, or if you have purpose or why you're here on this planet, or if anybody's ever gonna welcome you or love you or know you, God's word says that you are already loved, accepted and known, created on purpose for a purpose with his hand intentionally wiring you. There's no room for insecurity. When we understand we were created by God on purpose, for a purpose, that's your origin story. Everyone say this, say, I was created. created. Secondly, we are loved. Secondly, we are loved. If we're going to understand our origin story, we have got to understand that we are loved. Ephesians 1-4, we read it earlier, even before he made the world... God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Our true origin story, the one God's given us, it's a story of love. It's a story of love. You are loved by love itself. What a beautiful mystery. Before we ever did anything. Did you guys catch that? before he even made the world, before we had time to prove ourselves to him, he already loved us. Before we made all the mistakes he knew we would make, he already loved us and chose us. Your identity is one of love. The great theologian Marshall Mathers, a.k.a. Eminem, (laughs) he once asked this question. You know, I used to, as a kid, not as a kid, like teenager. I thought M&M was spelled like the M&M candy. Anybody else? Thanks. Appreciate your honesty in church. Somebody didn't raise their hand and used to do it too. So he asked this question to us. He said this, have you ever loved someone so much you'd give an arm for? Not the expression, no, literally give an arm for. Well, I got good news today, Marshall. God's answered that question with a resounding yes. <laughs> and he gave more than just his arm. He gave his son for you and for I. John three sixteen. 16, may the truth of this verse never get old. For God so the world that he, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That may sound a little simple in our intentional family series, but God loves you and that's your origin story. I think the challenge a lot of us face though, we've heard these things since we were kids, many of us, but often it's getting it from being head knowledge. I know that's true that God loves me to actually becoming something we believe innately about ourselves for it to become something we feel and we experience. But you know that God didn't just want to put his love in the Bible for us to understand it theologically. He actually wanted to express his love so that we could experience it personally. His love for you and for me is not just something to know in our head, it is something to believe and to feel in our hearts. We live in a performance-based world, especially in our country. Since time you're raised as a little kid, we, we are constantly... That hey, if you perform, then you will receive. And as it relates to love, many of us have had experiences, whether with family and dating, maybe even in marriages, where love was uh, love was only given if you did something that was worthy of receiving it. Our world we live in treats love like a commodity. Oh, I'll give you love, and I know you want it. But what are you going to do for me first? Are you going to make me feel good? Are you going to give me a compliment? Are you going to do some things in the natural form? Are you going to move some things around for him? What are you going to do? And then I'll really express my love once something's done for me. That's how we in our world have come to know love. But in God's kingdom, it is so different. He gave us his love before we ever deserved it. And he wants us to experience it. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. In the Amplified, it says, And may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width, the length, the height, and the depth of his love. Fully experiencing that amazing, endless love. And that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ. Which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience His love, it has widths and it has depths and it has heights. It is a four-dimensional love that we don't just taste one time in our life and we're all done with that. It needs to be re-experienced every single day to live in, to know, and to believe that our God who created us, that he actually loves us. So how do we do it? How do we make his love Real? How do we experience it? Well, I think it looks like soaking in on that scripture we just read. I think there's a lot of ways to experience God's love. I think we learn to be aware of it. We learn to see it in our lives. We watch our children laugh and we get a picture of God's love. We listen in on a drive, a long drive to the still small voice on the inside of the words of affirmation God is speaking over you. We get into his word and we let the truth of his word define how we see him and how we see ourselves. One thing I do, I like to sing, not publicly. (laughs) And this may sound strange to a lot of us, but I think there's something about us singing about God's love. You guys remember the song? He loves us, oh, how, can you help me out? Us, oh, how he loves us, oh, how he loves us. This week when you're feeling unlovable, maybe bring those lyrics back to your heart. He loves me, oh how he loves me, oh how he loves you, oh how he loves. Singing about God's love, it does something to make it real. So I don't know what your family of origin has said of you, has spoken over you, I don't know what rejection you may live with. I don't know what words of death were given to you at some point in your life. You may look at your family of origin and the story you see is one of not being loved. But can I encourage you today to look at your true origin story? Oh, and get it in your heart. You are loved by God. Everyone say this, say, I am loved by love itself. Finally, as we close, number three, Mahin, you can come and play if you'd like. Um, is this, we were adopted. We were created. We are loved. And finally, if we're going to understand our origin story, it is vital that we understand that we were adopted. Ephesians chapter 4. We read it earlier, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Galatians 4, 4-7, it says, God sent him, Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us. As his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, now listen, you are no longer a slave, but you are God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. What a beautiful progression. Did you guys see that? First, we're set free from slavery. We were all slaves to our own sinful nature, all slaves to the law, but Jesus came and he set us free. But he didn't stop there. He didn't want just free people running around, although we got some free people in the room. It says this, then he adopted us. He adopted us. He actually said, yep, I got room at the table. I want my kids. I want you to go from just being set free from sin to actually becoming my child. So he adopted us. Then he gave us the right to sonship to daughtership, to being his kids. And, and, and finally, he made us an heir. It's one thing to adopt a kid and then kind of put him to the side, but that's not what God did. He didn't just bring us to the table so it sounded good for a sermon. He actually took it so far as to make us an heir of who he was in Roman culture. Galatia was a province of Rome. These readers, they would have known this when they read this idea of adoption. This is what it said to them. In Roman culture, an adopted son was deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. He had no inferior status to a legitimate son born in the family under Roman adoption. The life and standing of the adopted child, it changed completely. Listen to this. The adopted son, he lost all rights in his old family, but he gained all the new rights in his new family. The old life of the adopted son was completely wiped out with all the debts being canceled and with nothing from his past counting against him anymore. In the same way, you and I have been adopted by God. We have been brought into his family to be his kids, not just to see him as the big boss man, but to actually call him Abba, Father, our Dad, our God. And then when he adopted us, he didn't just leave us there. He didn't just give us a seat at the table. He actually gave us keys to the kingdom. And he said, everything I have, son, I now pass on to you so that you can live one day in heaven, but even right now on earth as an heir of God almighty. You and I adopted kids with all the same rights and privileges that the word of God gives us When the Bible says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in a time of need. We don't have to do that with timidity because we are his kids. We can run into his throne room when we need him. We can jump up on his lap and say, Abba, Father, I need some help. Abba, Father, I need to access some of the things that you've made me an heir to. Abba, I need wisdom. Abba, I'm feeling discouraged. Can you give me some comfort? Abba, I'm feeling sick. Will you heal my body? Abba, Father, it's intimate, it's close not distant Christianity where we sit and observe Christianity around us. It is dive in the middle, get all in the mess of an intimate relationship with him. You and I were adopted. Oh, and I hope it's putting a smile on your face like it does mine because look, I had a great family of origin. We have amazing pastors who were amazing parents. But man, when I got a hold of this idea, that yes, I'm still their kid. And yes, my family of origin matters, but I have a new origin story. Oh, it's like I got superpowers. It's like I did get bit by that spider after all. His name is Jesus. And the same privileges he has before his dad, we have before our dad. The same rights he has, we have. We are in his family. Your origin story your true origin story is one of purpose. You were created it is one of love and it is one of intimate adoption. That's who you are. And this morning I pray if you get anything out of the message that you'd walk away with this truth ringing in your heart. We'll look at it one more time. In Christ, your identity is not found in your family of origin, but in your true origin story. I don't know what you've been dealing with in your own families. I don't know what wounds you carry. I don't know what hurts you have on the inside, but can I tell you, there's a God who cares about them and he loves you. And maybe this is for one person in the room, but maybe you came in today and you've been dealing with stuff as it relates to your family of origin. Hurts that I don't even, probably couldn't even understand, but you're dealing with it and you're feeling it. Well, I wanna pray. I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for those that want a revelation to a greater degree of their origin story. And God, those who today are saying, you know what? I'm no longer living out of the rejection I received from my dad. I'm gonna live from the acceptance that I got in God. I'm no longer gonna live from the pain of my family of origin, but today I'm gonna start on the journey. Start on the journey of living from the place of my true origin story. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, you've been dealing with hurts. I know this is kind of specific, but if that's you, it could be one person. I'm not going to embarrass you, but God's stirring in your heart. Would you just shoot your hand up again? I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray. I want to know who I'm praying for. I see hands going up all over the place. Tons of hands going up. There's still time. There's still room. We're just going to pray. We're just going to pray and let God minister. Just gonna let God minister today to bring a healing balm over wounds, to bring a healing balm over pain. Hands lifted all over the room. Father, we pray right now for your kids. And Lord, for those that grew up in families that weren't real pretty, God, those who grew up in families where wounds were experienced, Lord, I thank you that you are our loving heavenly Father. And right now I pray as their Father that you would speak a word of love to them. Oh Lord, where there's been gaping holes of missing dads or missing moms or words that have haunted or things said or things done or things not done that has caused pain. Oh Father, I believe right now in Jesus' name that come of the Holy Spirit is going into the hearts with those with their hands raised and that they would begin to see themselves not from the pain of their family of origin, but to see themselves in the truth of their origin story in you. I pray, Lord, for tears, God, tears that would wash away the pain that had existed, but for hope to rise in their hearts as they recognize and see you afresh this morning. That they would be able to, from an authentic place, actually be able to say, Abba, Father, you are not just boss God. You are not just big man God. You are not just the God I go to when things are hard. You are my dad and I go to you every single day. And I thank you, Lord, for that right now, for each person with their hands raised, starting a new journey this morning, walking in the truth of who you say they are in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen. Amen. Well, God loves you. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful to be in his family. And if we've all been adopted by him, what does that mean? We're brothers and sisters, right? That's good news. You got some brothers and sisters around you. So let's lean into each other. Amen. Amen. Well, as we close today, we're going to finish in a moment with a time of worship. I believe the Lord just wants to speak to us and allow us to close in his presence. But before we do that, I just wanna pray one last prayer. And if you're here this morning, or maybe you're watching online, kind of checking out this whole church thing, uh, but maybe you've came in today and Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, that you are not confident, you're not sure. Is he? I kind of came to church, is it all good? Well, the Bible tells us we can be confident and we can be sure. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, the Lord Jesus, that we would be saved. And as we close service today, how do you get adopted into his family? Starts with surrender. Recognizing I can't do life on my own. My sins are too much for me to try to resolve. I need a savior. And you call on the name of Jesus. So whether you're watching online, maybe you stumbled across the service today or you're in the room from the back to the front, every head bowed and every eye closed. If Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, I believe you're in this room because God wanted to change that today. And if you're here and you wanna dedicate your heart and life to the Lord, you wanna surrender to him, I'm gonna count to three. When I get to three, I'd love for you to shoot your hand up. Say, Eric, that's me. Today I'm coming to my family, coming to the family of God. I'm saying yes to Jesus and no to my ways. I wanna be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. If you're watching online, you can pop it in the chat, maybe right where you are, lift your hand. When I get to three in your room or your car or your kitchen, wherever life brings you today, all across the room, one, two, three, go ahead and shoot your hand up. If that's you today to surrender to Jesus, I see hands going up in our room all across the stadium seating. I see hands on the floor. I see hands, I believe, online, those in rooms and in venues and in places that we're not, but we are, that your hand's going up right where you are and God sees it. He affirms it. There's still time to shoot your hand up. Say, today's my day. Today's my day. I'm coming back to Jesus or I'm coming to him for the first time. It's a beautiful thing. Church family, let's all say this together. If you just lifted your hand online or in the room, let's say these words after me. This is the prayer of salvation. Let's say, dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for dying in my place. And right now, I surrender. And I call on you as my Lord and as my Savior. I thank you for saving me. And I commit from this day forward to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen praise the Lord. Can we put our hands together for those that prayed that prayer? That's a huge deal.